0: Hi, this is Alex Gary of the What Works Podcast, and this week we've got uh, two just uh, inventors in a way, right? We have Shane Smith and David Pavlik of C2P Strain. Uh, right now, that's out of Palatine. Thank you for being on the What Works Podcast. Hey,
1: thank you for having us.
0: We're excited to be here. All right, so you know, for our listeners, explain what is C2P Strain?
1: So C2P Strain stands for Can to pan strain and basically what it is is it is an option for painters to use to strain the clumps and the dry junk out of their paint. So typically a lot of painters use uh, these bag strainers or other messy methods to get dry clumps out of their paint so it doesn't end up on their walls and what C2P does is it offers a two-part solution that these painters can uh, use on their can uh, to strain their paint, and uh, pour it directly from their can into their painting pan, which skips a lot of steps. It uh, it reduces a lot of the mess and, and saves a lot of time for the painters.
0: Did you guys come out of the painting industry? Or did, how did you come up with this idea?
1: So Dave and I actually knew nothing about the uh, painting industry before we got involved with C2P. Um, Dave and I were uh, kind of serial entrepreneurs for a long time, and We had gone through a lot of different ideas and had a lot of failures and, you know, learned a lot about the industry. And one of our friends from college uh, realized he was, he noticed that, you know, we were doing all these projects and making these products and things. And uh, he came to us one day, uh, we were at Ohio University and he came to us and said, hey, I have been in the paint industry for a long time and I get painters in here all the time that complain about getting paint chunks on their walls and how these uh, other methods don't really work well. And he said, I know you guys build products and I've got this idea that I think would really do well uh, in my store. And so we started working with him. He explained the paint industry. How long ago
2: was this? Shoot. Well, originally he came to us actually uh, about four years ago mm-hmm. and he wanted us to work on this product with him, but we actually had two other startups we were working on. So at the time we were way too busy. And so we said, you know, we just don't have time because we wanted to work on super techie products right out of college because we were mechanical engineers and we were going to be, you know, the next Elon Musk right away. That was, you know, our original, our original plan. And when those techie products didn't work out the way that we wanted them to, we decided, let's go with something simpler, something that's easier to produce from a financial standpoint, from an engineering standpoint. And we thought, hey, that paint product that our CEO told us about a few years ago, that could be a great one to work on. So we reconnected with him about two years after he initially pitched the idea. And this was two years ago now. So four years ago, he originally pitched it. Two years ago, we got back in touch with him. And we hit the ground running hard. We made progress very quickly with him, and now here we are today. So when did you launch the product? When did you start selling it? We started selling in September 2018, so about three months
0: ago. Okay. So even then, a relatively simple product still took about a year and a half to test and and get everything set up.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we are engineers by trade, and so... The, engine, the actual engineering of the product took, you know, maybe 5% of the entire timeline. Uh, and after we actually got the product physically made, we said, okay, now what? And we had to learn so much of the business side of things, which is totally foreign to engineers like us. And uh, so that's really what took a lot of the time is understanding... How do we protect ourselves? How do we protect our, uh, you know, our information and our and our intellectual property? Um, how do we handle shipping? How do we handle manufacturing? And we just, you know, we had to meet a lot of people. We had to learn a lot. And really, that's what took, you know, the majority of the time. So there's four people on the team, right? That's yes, we have, right. We have
0: you two, and who
1: are the other two? So the other two are uh, our CEO Shane Springer. And he is in Pennsylvania right now. He's going to be moving to Nashville soon. Uh, the one who came up with the idea, and then uh, Bob Pavlik, who is uh, a business uh, guru. He is uh, he's had a lot of experience in business and negotiations his entire life. Um, he's had some big, uh, big, some big success in in the business world, and he just offers a ton of uh, you know feedback on how we're doing things and and. What makes sense for the company business wise?
0: But you, so, but you're on you're on some store shelves. You you you're selling online. You have a, a good looking logo. You have a good looking website, and each of these things had to take a tremendous amount of time to develop. Correct? That's right. So how did you know? How did that process go? Is there like a person here? Hey, you're going to do the marketing advertising angle. You're going to take care of web. I mean, how did you guys
2: break that down? So we didn't really know what we were doing uh, (laughs) when we first started this business because we had made a lot of products from the engineering standpoint and never got past those hurdles of how do we protect ourselves? How do we mass market it? How do we mass produce it for an efficient cost? So with this new territory came a lot of learning. And originally we were thinking, well, we can probably pay somebody to help us with our packaging design and with our website design and all these other things. But to be honest, when you're an entrepreneur, you got to rely on yourself. Nobody else is going to do things for you. So we tried a few different people. They will, will, but you'll get a bill. You'll get a big bill.
1: (laughs) And they might not have the same vision as
2: you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we noticed that was happening. So we decided to take on a lot of this ourselves. Shane actually wrote some of the preliminary patents. Uh, Shane and I designed our packaging. Uh, We went to a website to get our logo designed. And we got a lot of different options, so we chose one logo. And then our website, we designed ourselves. Um, so we played around with Wix, and it's basically a pretty intuitive app where you can drag and drop pictures and all that kind of stuff. So we designed those things pretty much ourselves because we you know, didn't have the money, kind of number one. And then number two, we really wanted it custom to exactly what we wanted. So we did a lot of it ourselves.
0: Let's take a step back because you mentioned um... – some other ideas you worked on that didn't work. So can you go through those? I mean, what were the, what were the failures that led you to this?
1: Yeah, we, uh, like I said, we always wanted to be entrepreneurs and inventors, like you said. Um, so we, we always, uh, wanted to go after the crazy flashy ideas that would change the world and end us up in Silicon Valley and so we started out doing things like a uh, bridge inspection robot. You know, we knew a civil engineer back in Dayton, and he said, there's a problem with the bridge infrastructure in the United States. So that was all we needed to hear. And we came up with all these crazy ideas, and we just made this this advanced robot that was in no way mass manufacturable, it was in no way solving the need for the industry because it was far too much, uh, far too much technology for where they were at.
2: It was pretty cool though.
1: It was cool, (laughs) but it didn't solve the, it didn't solve what we were trying to go for. So we learned a little bit from that. And then we moved on to uh, different things like, I think Dave was talking earlier at the presentation about uh, our blink wear glasses, which were a pair of glasses that you put them on and it detects when you're blinking and it detects the changes in your blinking patterns and we did several tests, and when the glasses detected that you were falling asleep at the wheel, it would wake you up.
0: So, Yeah, so I heard that, and I was like, what, did it give you a shock? What it do?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it
0: made a
2: buzzing sound. Oh,
1: okay. uh, We
0: did
2: not actually get to testing anybody that was
1: really tired because <laughs> we didn't want to have somebody get in an accident. But right. that
0: would, yeah, that would probably be, bad, be a bad
2: thing.
1: I was a proponent of the electrical shock, by the way. <laughs> but I got outvoted on that one. But that one, and so why did that one not go anywhere? You know... It was uh, it was a combination of things, you know. One, a lot of drivers didn't want to wear it. They did, just simply didn't want to have something on their head that they had to rely on to tell them that they were falling asleep. So for the, the general consumer, a lot of people just didn't didn't like it simply. And for uh, for truck drivers who were our second target uh, did you
0: more- so you said a lot of drivers didn't like it so this time you went out and you actually did you do some market research or did you do some some surveys or what
1: yeah so we actually had the opportunity to work with Wright State University in Ohio they liked the idea and so they invited us to become a partner in one of their business development classes and so the blinkwear glasses were focused on as a uh, potential new Product for them, and a, an, an entire team of business grad grad students uh, investigated the ins and outs of what people like about it, what people don't like about it, who are the potential customers, and we it was very thorough. Uh, we we got a lot of information from them.
0: And well, it's one of the one of the big problems with entrepreneurs is they get married to an idea. Yeah. you have the idea, and that and and you have the vision, and it's going to be a success, and then they'll they will ignore all of the, um, you know, indications that, Hey, this is either, there's not enough market or it doesn't solve a problem or what. And then, you know, and they sink a ton of money on the way. So it sounds like that from, from an early stage, you guys knew better than to continue down those rabbit holes.
2: Well, yeah, the reason why that was, uh, was because we understood logistically, where we wanted to go and what we wanted to be was inventors we wanted to invent things that could help people in everyday society that was kind of our initial goal and with the logical facts that we were presented with we realized that those first couple companies we worked on were really good learning experiences and we picked out exactly what went wrong yeah. so then we knew let's try something else and make sure we incorporate that so the first the first idea with the bridge robot that was we didn't do enough research at the beginning to figure out uh, if this was really an industry need, and if it was, you know, we need to make something that people can be familiar with. Sorry. So that industry, we made a product that was far too tech advanced for their rudimentary processes of inspecting bridges. Right. You know, they're smacking bridges with ball peen hammers and listening to pitches, <laughs> and then we're like, "Hey, check out this automated crawler robot." It's just pretty far pretty <laughs> too far, much too much and we didn't research it you got to sell it to the government they buy stuff like that right <laughs> well after <laughs> okay. maybe 10 years okay. to take the procurement process in the government <laughs> yeah um and then the second one was more we got feedback so we said this time we're going to make sure we get feedback but nobody liked it <laughs> right. so okay well, that's bad can't sell that
0: and then, right and what then, was the
2: third one
1: so the third one was a hunting blind. Uh, if for people who aren't hunters, basically you camouflage yourself behind a cube of or, or a stand of, that's made of grass or natural-looking leaves. And when the ducks come uh, close to you, you jump out and you hunt them. Yeah. Blast away. Right. So I only explain this because we also had no idea about uh, hunting before we took on this project. So all three of your ideas, and even this fourth one, wasn't something you thought of. It
2: was something somebody else thought of. And you ran with, right? Is that how it worked? No, the actually the first two ideas, so the bridge robot and the blinkware were ideas that we thought of. Okay, are uh, me or Shane? And then the hunting blind was one that actually one of our but other. But it
0: was they were based out of. um Well, the, the the first one was somebody mentioned that there's a problem with bridge inspection, so you thought of an idea. The second one, the blinking eyewear, did, did that? Did you? Neither one of you are in that industry, so somebody must have said something, right?
1: Well, I think we've all got family members who you've heard stories. Man, I was so tired driving back from Cleveland that I almost Uh fell asleep at the wheel. And that was something that affected me. I knew people who Mm -hmm. uh, were like that. So that's where you – that's
0: how you – it seems like that's how your process works. Somebody will be talking about a problem, and then right away, but like, how do we fix that problem? Right, Right? a lot of the time. Whereas there's like, you know, Doc Brown from – you know. Back to the Future who right. just wanted to time travel.
1: Right, right, so, right. right.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, so, the and again, because the painting thing. So, what else is... Oh, well, I'm, I'm I'm moving too far forward. What did you learn on this third one? because you you said there was an there's a problem with the hunting blind in terms of cost.
1: right. So again, that was a partner that we we had at the time who came up with the idea and said, I'm a hunter. This is a need in the industry. So we said, great, this is something that we haven't had before. This is somebody who knows the industry, who recognizes that there's a need in it. so let's uh, let's go forward with it. So we did. We made the product. We had a great prototype. What is it?
0: Yeah, what was it? You, did, you skipped that. We, we had these oh, guys here for right. one million cups.
1: I right. kind of skipped over
0: exactly what it was. I was kind of curious.
1: Right, so it was actually this partner who came up with the uh, the premise, the main idea of it. But essentially, it was four rebar spikes that you would drill into the ground, and then it was a long grass skirt, think a hula skirt, and you wrap it around there with Velcro around all sides, and then it had a hula skirt uh, top on it, so people could get in there, and it's 360 degrees covered. You're no ducks are going to see you. You're not not going to scare anybody away. Uh, and then when they come, you can you can pop out and you stand up and yeah, wow,
0: sh- you hunt them. Sh- seems seems to be pretty quick and easy. So what was the problem there?
1: Yeah, people, people loved the idea. We got on Instagram, and we got people asking us, where can we buy this? How can we get it? The problem was— I mean, you're
0: close to Wisconsin, which the, the, the entire state leaves and goes hunting once a week. Right. And once, once a year.
1: That's exactly right. And if we hand-delivered them, I think we might have had a good business model. The problem came in when you've got four rebar spikes that weigh 25, 30 pounds a piece and they're five feet tall. Yeah. And you've got a big old bundle of grass skirts that you're trying to ship and it costs more to ship than it costs to make the thing. We're talking hundreds of dollars. Mm -hmm. And it was something we didn't even think about until the end of the project. And we got to the end and tried to actually sell one. And we said, this is not going to (laughs) work.
2: Yep. So basically we learned that you need to have a target audience. Mm-hmm. You need to have somebody in the industry as an expert. And then you need to be able to mass produce it for a cost that people will pay for it. So that was, you know, those were the things we learned from the first three businesses right. that we really took into account with both uh, C2P Strain and we also have another startup. So we have two startups currently.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about the other one. So what, uh, because it just seems like it almost in a way do you sometimes feel almost too scattered i mean you've got c2p strain you got to sell that you got to get that in stores but there's another thing going on <laughs> do you feel like sometimes maybe you should stop and focus or is is it you know
1: the thing where hey let's
0: get 10 things going at once
1: oh boy yeah 10 might be a little bit much but i think dave and i have a pretty solid schedule down where we get together for hours every single day, and we have plans for what we're going to do at each session that we have, and it really helps to have a partner who can keep the focus on what we're trying to do. You know, sometimes I'll get off focus, sometimes he will, but really, I think that as long as we can hold each other accountable, we can do several different things uh, and stay focused. what is, so 2019 is
0: let's, almost upon us. It is. So have you kind of mapped out, being engineers, I'm assuming you've mapped out 2019 and the steps you want to take to get to a goal by the end of 2019?
2: Yeah. I mean, so what's actually funny is that when you, when you kind of talk about both startups, what's been interesting is that both have had very similar timelines and very similar progress. So for example, we used the same patent attorney for both. So it took us forever to find one and then we file patents very quickly for both. Same thing with the mass manufacturing. We found a producer and then we produced both with him. So um it was you know, it was really nice to work on both at the same time. Now twenty nineteen is going to be different for both both businesses with C2P strain, we are fully launched already. So we're going to be focusing on getting into Sherwin Williams. That's our big fish in 2019. We've gotten enough traction by getting into about 40 stores thus far, which are mainly individually owned ACE Hardwares and Benjamin Moore's that we've gotten enough attention where Sherwin is saying, Hey, we think that this is something great that we can sell. So that's going to be our model is doing business to business and really you know, getting in there. As far as our other idea, it is actually based off of a a switch technology. So right now, we're, we've designed a flashlight. And what that flashlight does is, I don't know if you – have you ever left your flashlight sitting for a couple years and you go to use it and it doesn't work? Right. The battery's batteries corroded. Yeah, batteries did. Yeah. So that's the problem we solve with this special switch that we also got patented thanks to Shane's design work. But basically what this what happens is when your batteries are sitting there and they're touching each other and the metal connections, even when you turn it off, there's gonna be that slight amount of drainage. And also you're gonna get corrosion from dissimilar metals touching, which is also referred to as galvanic corrosion. So that's why your batteries corrode. And that's why they also they're gonna leak no matter what, but they leak faster when they are sitting there touching the metal. So we invented a switch, it's mechanical. When you turn it off, it separates the batteries from each other and the metal connections, so it preserves battery life. And also, even if it were to, you know, even if they slightly did leak or corrode it, it wouldn't ruin your flashlight because it's not touching any metal. So you could just throw them out, but the main premise is that it's gonna make your flashlight batteries last significantly longer, and also it's, it's gonna prevent any sort of damage from happening inside of your flashlight. Where did the inspiration for that come from?
1: That was uh, that was Dave's dad. He uh, he was in a storm. I think it was last two springs ago, I guess. And the power went out, left everybody in the dark, and he went to his flashlight hiding space, like everybody has. And he picked up the first flashlight, dead, picked up the second flashlight, corroded to the point where the batteries had destroyed the entire flashlight, picked up the third flashlight, same situation. And it was so frustrating that he said, like the old infomercials, there's got to be a better way. And he came up with some preliminary ideas, came to us and said, we got to work on this. And from something that started out as a great idea, it's turned into a full-fledged startup. And we're very excited about the uh, progress we're going to be making in 2019 on that as well.
0: So... It seems like there's really nowhere you can't really venture into, right? Is it a, is a situation sometimes that instead of saying, okay, let's tackle 10, you have 10 ideas and you're like, okay, we're just going to focus on three.
1: A lot of the time, I think that's true. I think with the projects that we have worked on in the past, we do know our limits. We know what we're good at and what we're not so good at. And we have learned to work within uh, the confines of of what we're capable of, but it is a pretty wide Uh, it's a pretty wide, uh, (laughs) we can work on a lot of different things.
0: So this is, you know, when people listen to this, we want them to come away with like some steps if they have their own ideas, right? So you guys have successfully been able to take some ideas and get them to market after failing on a couple, right? So if you were, if if somebody came to you and said, I got an idea, I want to, you know, I want to run with this and
2: get this to market. What would be like your four tips? Sure. So I would say, um, number 1 push forward quickly so people spend a lot of time thinking right how do i do this perfect how do i do this perfect the fact of the matter is you're going to fail so the quicker you fail the quicker you're going to overcome it so perfect uh, perfect is the enemy of progress yep mm-hmm. especially when you're starting out entrepreneur it's just like anything else it's, That's right. it, it doesn't matter if you you've been an engineer in industry for 30 years you go to entrepreneurship completely different if you want to do like do an engineering project in entrepreneurship completely different So I'll say number one, yeah, just fail quick. Uh, Number two, look up things about intellectual property because one of the things that we got hung up on for the first couple years was, oh my gosh, our ideas are going to get stolen. We can't tell anybody about them. The fact of the matter is you need to get feedback as soon as possible. Uh, So look up your intellectual property stuff so you can get feedback as soon as possible. And what you'll find is there are very simple things you can do such as getting NDAs for people that you talk with, um, you can also get something called a provisional patent which is essentially an inventor's patent that you can file for about three hundred dollars and that acts as a placeholder for your first 12 months so if you file this provisional patent today and then uh, within those 12 months you file the full patent what you're hoping is that in that year you have enough time to gauge whether it's worth the eight to ten grand or not for the full patent yeah patents aren't cheap yeah but the provisional gives you that protection from day one if you file the full patent before the 12 months are up. Right. So I would say look up your IP stuff so you can get continued feedback uh, along the way. Number three, find somebody that's in your industry, that's in the industry that you want to do. It's not absolutely necessary at the beginning because it's going to be very difficult. Uh, and your you know your first startup is going to be very difficult. But if you can, find somebody in the industry that that has contacts and connections so that when you launch you'll know people, or you'll figure out early from having all these industry connections that this is not gonna work in that industry. Before you get to the fourth one, let me jump in, because we, we ran a startup,
0: we've run Startup Weekend here twice. And one of the things, and, and that's how the tech stars and so um, the, the format of that is you get 20 to 30 smart people in a room on Friday night, they all pitch ideas, you pick the best five. The winners of the those five ideas then have to form teams out of the thirty, and then you work on that idea all day Saturday. Then on Sunday you work on an investor pitch, wow. right? On Saturday they order you to leave the building and talk to uh, fifty people who have no idea who you are, and you pitch the idea to them. Because one of the things is people pitch ideas to friends and family members who don't always give them <laughs> honest feedback, right? right? All
2: right. Your final your final point. Fourth one. Build a complementary team, which by that I mean Shane and I are both engineers, but he is more designer, so he's more technical. I do more leadership. Uh, Shane Springer is sales, and our fourth partner, Robert, is negotiations and advertising. So find a team that's complementary and find a team that you can really trust and push each other, because we've had before where we've worked, uh, you'll work with people that they're not pushing you as much. So, you need to find a good complementary team where you all really trust each other and you're all pushing each other forward. So people with different skill sets combining to push you push you forward. So you got to find the right team. Trying it alone, you can try that. It's going to be real hard. So
1: yeah, that's for sure. Those are,
2: those are the four tips that I got. You agree, Shane? You got anything different?
1: I I definitely agree. I I think that those are four great great things uh, that we've learned along the way and they've all been critical. Uh, back to your point about Uh, getting feedback, though, that is something that, that you can't understate the value of that. I think we went and stalked probably 50 or 60 different people at the mall around town and went up to him and said, "What do you think of this flashlight? Have you ever used a flashlight before?" And people looked <laughs> look at us like we were crazy. And <laughs> we're engineers, you know. It's hard for us to talk to people right away. Right. But we got some great feedback from people, and it really was a great thing to do. So I, I, definitely, I'd put that on the list as something. Well, so on on the failure
0: side, this is kind of funny. A couple of years ago, I I, um, I thought of a card game. And I, I tested it out and I, I create I had a friend who's a designer I got this great looking deck and I tested it and I loved it and then I had my friends over to play it and they just felt like it was too complicated for them really even though I've played much more complicated games but they're just used to playing easy quick card games right So now but I'd already I' I'd done my you know I'd already sunk a bunch of money into it and have these have these decks now uh, and then my daughters picked them up and they started playing past the trash. Which is just a simple card game that kids play. Hmm. Uh, if you have a higher card than me, and I pass you that card, then I'm going to pass it. You know, you're passing the low cards okay. around, right? And uh, with my deck, they played it and they loved it. So I originally had thought had thought it's going to be perfect for Vegas or, or adult adults. <laughs> Turns out, if it's if there's a market for it, it's with teachers who have time to kill on the week during the weeks with kids. And so now that's like the direction I'm going to go but I didn't I I was so invested in my idea I I sunk more money into it at a point where I probably should have taken that step back.
1: That's too funny. The yeah. best, the best inventions happen by accident, they say. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think Viagra wasn't originally supposed to be Viagra. <laughs> it was supposed to be something else. Like, it's like
1: <laughs> and yet- but, it, but you know, it,
2: there was a side effect that the doctor noticed that became Viagra. better
1: than the original intent. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, the, right.
2: what we know of as gasoline, mm-hmm. another accident. So, like when you when you're making fuel, there's two byproducts, which is kerosene and gasoline. And for the longest time before they had You know, all these engines and things like that that use gasoline, they used kerosene for almost everything because gasoline was so aggressive of an explosion that we use it in cars and everything now. But uh, they would actually, I think up till what, 1910 or 1920, they were throwing away all the gasoline and just using kerosene for all your lamps and everything and then realize that gasoline is actually a much more valuable commodity so there's a lot of a lot of good things to learn all right so hopefully we can get you guys back in a year
0: and you can give us the progress report of where you're at on these two and then tell us about the two other ones you're working on that right? would be great all right so we'll see you soon thank you very much for coming on hey
1: thank you very
2: much Thanks for having us
0: the what works podcast is a production of thinker ventures Learn more at thinkerventures.com.